Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, uh, we're going to talk to the attorney in our uh, Chicago, Illinois office about some very important litigation, defending individuals being fired because of their faith and convictions. You're definitely not going to want to miss it. Uh, I know you'll find it uh, very interesting. Uh, but before we do that, I first want to uh, talk to our attorney out of our Nevada office, Emily Mimnaw, about a number of important case matters and things that she's uh, in, in touch with that I think people are, are, are uh, definitely going to be interested in. One of them is dealing with uh, President Biden and a very important case called the Biden versus Nebraska uh, Department of Education versus Brown. Um, you know, welcome to the show, Emily. And uh, let's start right off the gate. Uh, what, what's going on with this uh, very important litigation? Uh, well, what's going on, or maybe more more to the point, what's at stake is about half a trillion dollars, uh, to quote Chief Justice Roberts in the arguments that were held uh, the morning of February 28. The Biden administration has uh, issued, as part of he campaigned, Biden campaigned on this, and to try to deliver on this campaign promise, his administration has endeavored to effectively cancel student loan debt to the tune of $400 billion, that's B with a B, billion dollars worth of student loan debt. And this has been challenged in various lawsuits, two of which were being heard by the Supreme Court. And the first that you pointed out is Biden v. Nebraska. And the second is the uh, Department of Education v. Brown, two different cases, which are really cutting to two important questions about whether or not the administration has the authority to do this. And then really a basic question that we see a lot and we deal with a lot here at PJI is really this question of standing, which is to say, did the people who brought this suit, were they the right people to bring this lawsuit? Yeah, so standing is very, is very important. Um, why does it, why is it, is, uh, what's the significance just of the standing issue alone? Because maybe people look at that and they go, that sounds like some legal mumbo jumbo kind of a technicality term. It's not going to affect you know, ma and pa out there. Uh, why is standing actually so, so important? Well, standing is really the question, the threshold, what we call a threshold question, which is really step one when we're looking at a case. Um, so you at home, if, if you want, um, you, see, you see something happening in your community, you see a law being violated, constitutional rights being violated, you, you want to do something about it. PJI wants to help do something about it. We need to find the right plaintiff to bring that case. And, you know, strategically, that's something that we always think about very, very carefully. Let's let's use an example. Uh, during the pandemic, right, we had churches closed across the country, and I would say most notoriously in California and specifically Santa Clara County. Now, who can bring the right lawsuit? Who has standing, Article Three standing, to go before the court and say, look, you are violating constitutional rights through these orders to shut churches? Right. So me in Nevada, I can't bring that lawsuit and say, hey, California, you are violating rights, even though I know that's true. I know that they're violating those rights. I don't have standing because I'm not the person directly being injured. And what the court looks for is concrete, concrete injury, injury in fact. 
And so you have to be the person who is directly harmed, sometimes indirectly, but you have to be able to show harm in order to bring that case. So PJI, of course, represented churches in Santa Clara County who are directly being harmed by that unconstitutional, unlawful action. Right. Yeah. So it's very important. And I think it's people need to understand that because oftentimes they'll say, say, Brad, you know, why aren't you guys following this lawsuit or that lawsuit? And sometimes my answer is because no one's stepping up for us to represent them. You know, it's we can't defend churches if there's not a church willing to be represented, for example. Fortunately, there are churches and, and individuals out there that do have that courage. And I'd say for every single case we have, we have over 120 cases in active litigation. Uh, that number is actually higher than that, but I'm just conservatively saying over 120. And every one of those cases requires someone or an institution to take the courage to stand up to injustice. If they don't take the courage, we can't do anything. So I'm really glad you, you hit on that point that we just can't just file a lawsuit. We've always got to have something uh, to establish standing. That is someone being impacted who's willing to stand up to the big bully, oftentimes usually the, the government. So uh, that's important. Now, can you give us like a, a sort of a summary understanding of this, this program uh, to try to uh, erase o- over $400 billion at the expense of taxpayers uh, in terms of, of student loan debt that students won't have to, to pay at all, students who went to college and have a higher education, higher salary, presumably, and uh, will just simply get off the hook. What's the, what's the background to justify this kind of a, of a program? It just seems so way out to so many uh, average Americans out there. Right. I don't want to shock you, Brad, but Biden administration is using the pandemic to justify the cancellation of these billions and billions of dollars of student debt. And to give a very short summary, starting in March of 2020, the then Secretary of Education put a pause on the repayment of loans when we were right in the, you know, the start, the grips of the pandemic. And to use that, the Secretary of Education relied upon the HEROES Act, um, which is an acronym, and it was a September 11 piece of legislation that allowed the Secretary of Education to waive or modify existing programs so that the individuals would not be put in a worse situation financially because of a national emergency. So fast forward to the Biden administration. Now, Biden, of course, has campaigned on this idea of canceling student loan debt. And what what they do is they say, okay, we're going to use the HEROES Act not only to continue these pauses, right? We're in year three now of no repayments being made on student loans. But now we're going to say that we're going to forgive and cancel $400 billion worth of debt. And so, one, the argument is being made that this is... Uh, This is not what the HEROES Act empowers or allows the Secretary of Education to do. But two, the the, the fundamental question, the threshold question that the court was addressing, the Supreme Court, is whether or not these six states who filed suit and the two students who filed suit who were not eligible for that forgiveness, for that student loan cancellation, whether or not they had standing. So they had to first show that they were, in fact, being injured. And so when, when people are looking at the headlines, they're seeing a lot of references to an entity called Mohella, M-O-H-E-L-A. And that's an entity that Missouri created to administer student debt. And so one of the issues is, well, why isn't that entity, Mohella, in court today? And does Missouri, the state, can they show sufficient harm? So that's yeah. the question, and that's why standing is the buzzword of the day. Wow, and that's a big part of the case. I mean, this case could be theoretically thrown out just based on standing, and then those people trying to, to challenge this will have to find another plaintiff, find 
some other angle to, to establish standing, and the thing starts all over. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, so <laughs> that's where we're at. I don't know. I'm just sort of getting a second guess here that the court's not going to let this thing just go away based on standing because they understand how timely the issue is. I think they're going to – I'm speculating. I think they're going to find a way uh, to move on to the next uh, issues, uh, the actual merits of the case. That's, that's my personal uh, opinion. We'll see if that's right. They, as far as uh, – you said something real important. You said that, that the legislation, the HEROES Act, was intended express, expressly to make sure that the students are not put in a worse position um, than they would have been had the pandemic not happened and all these limitations on employment, et cetera. Uh, unemployment was actually extremely very low, uh, but let's not, let's not mess, mess with details. Uh, so it, it seems that the suspending of their payment, saying, okay, you don't have to pay it during the pandemic, um, and now that there's, the pandemic's over, now they have to start paying. It seems like they're not in a worse position and to, to erase, just erase all the student loans all that they're talking about uh, puts them actually in a much better position, much better position than they would have been had uh, the, the pandemic not, not occurred. Well, from your lips to uh, Chief Justice's uh, ears and, and mouth, as it were, because during the oral arguments, in fact, uh, Justice, Chief Justice Roberts made a, a similar position channeling you and channeling the late great Justice Scalia. One of the really important precedents that the court's looking at is this MCI case. And in that, in that case, where you're talking about, Brad, does the HEROES Act actually allow and empower and authorize this level of action by a government agency? And in that, in that precedent case, Justice Scalia looked at the question of what does the word modify use, okay? Because that's what the HEROES Act says. You can modify, um, you, you know, you, you can modify a current program. And so I, I love the way Justice Scalia, which um, the Chief Justice quoted today, and, um, and you're, you're bringing up again, which is that he says, well, you could say that the French Revolution modified the standing of the French nobility. But that is true only because we understand the rhetorical device called understatement and the rhetorical device called sarcasm. And I don't <laughs> think that it is fair to say, and I don't think it is fair to say that Congress was being sarcastic when they are understating the grant that they gave to the administrative agency through the HEROES Act. And so just as you point out, Chief Justice Roberts pointed out that, that you're making a pretty far... The argument is that you're making a far extension and overreach of a federal agency. And, of course, I would be shocked that a federal agency of the Biden administration would use the pandemic as an excuse for a government overreach. But that is the rhetorical device called sarcasm. Yes, uh, and that's exactly what it amounts to, just to, to say that uh, they could, the government can modify, therefore they can eliminate and... <laughs> Debt. It's just. Um, it's clearly not within the language of the legislation. I think I may be wrong. I'm willing to bet that this is going to be a, a major point that they hang their hat on at the end of the day, where I think the majority is is going to uh, to go. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So who is challenging this program exactly again? That, yeah, that, that, that is the question that the justices were asking, so that is an important one. So there are two lawsuits that were consolidated or heard together, and the first one involves six states who said that they were negatively impacted or injured by this Biden administration program. 
And so the, the, the main argument was being brought by one of the states, Missouri. And again, they have um, they created and they they created and they control an entity called Mohella, which administers student loans. And so they said that uh, one of the arguments they made was that actually because of this student loan cancellation, this debt cancellation, the entity Mohella, the state entity, would lose uh, approximately $44 million a year. And that would, in turn, impact revenues for state-run schools, et cetera. So those were the states that were arguing that they were being injured. And then you also had two students who filed lawsuits because um, alternately either they weren't eligible for the um, forgiveness at all or that they weren't as eligible as other people because you could some people were given up to twenty thousand dollars of forgiveness others ten and so their argument hinged on um, a procedural claim that under the administrative procedures act they weren't given due notice and process through the comment period and so that's another strong argument that we see time and again unfortunately where the government is in such a rush to implement programs, they don't simply follow standard procedures, by which I mean federal law. Right. There is a process to keep government in check, ideally, <laughs> that allows we, the people, to say, whoa, whoa, we've got some comments here. We've got some, we see some problems here. And the whole purpose of that is to make sure that government uh, stays accountable, uh, but also doesn't make stupid mistakes that are beyond their, their, their means, beyond their, their authority, perhaps which is why we're, this is going in litigation now and uh, why the Supreme Court is reviewing it. Real quick, what's your take, based on oral argument, your perception of how this is going to turn out? If you had to throw a dart, where would you think it's going to land? You know, I think the court may be looking for an easy out, in which case they would say, you know, there wasn't standing issues here. We need to have some more time. However, because they had the two different cases, one where injury was claimed by states, another where injury was claimed by two specific persons, I think that the court could rule that the Administrative Procedures Act was not followed. They can remand back to the um, alternately to the Eighth Circuit and or to the Fifth Circuit and go from there. So I, I think that they will rule that the, the Biden administration cut corners and that this needs to be, if this needs to be, if this is um, allowed to be done, they need to first do it properly, and then we'll go back to the Heroes Act question. That's what I would guess. But, um, you know, they may come down very robustly and just say, no, this was an overreach. You violated the Heroes Act. Try again. So it'll be interesting. They it could do it based on standing. They could do it based upon the, they didn't uh, comply with the proper federal administrative procedures requiring prior hearings, et cetera. Uh, or they could just say, let's, let's, let's cut to the chase. This is um, a, a wrongful application of the HEROES Act. It's, it's beyond the, 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 the boundaries of the HEROES Act. Uh, we're throwing this out. Biden, you can't just erase student loans under the HEROES Act. I'm, I'm leaning on the, the, the latter. Maybe I'm an optimist. But <laughs> uh, this once again, this, this court, though, is very, you know, conservatives are very respectful of, of uh, procedure. The general rule of the Supreme Court is uh, you only rule as far as is necessary to satisfy the, the legal issue. And so if, if it's issue of standing, then you often don't go to the next issue. Uh, administrative procedure, if it's one of administrative procedure, then you don't go to the next issue dealing with the merits of a proper application of the HEROES Act. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, uh, there's so many students out there 
that are speculating on what's going to happen, making decisions about their college education and, and the debt that they may take on or may pay off or not pay off. Uh, I, I, think it's, I, I think it would be uh, most unfortunate if the court just uh, you know, did anything less than rule on the merits of the HEROES Act uh, application and, and uh, overextension uh, of its application. Did you know that PJI's Church Finds Its Voice initiative is a huge success and coming alongside pastors to encourage them to get all their congregants registered to vote and then to vote biblically in every election for candidates that share the Christian worldview and commit to serve their constituents with that mindset. We communicate regularly with over 3,000 pastors and we do it all free of charge. Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Uh, I'd like to ta- now uh, introduce our attorney and welcome to the program, uh, Soren uh, Leo. Thank you for joining the program, Soren. Hi, Brad. Nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you, too. I appreciate all the work that you're doing. Uh, uh, you're one of our attorneys, but you're also an attorney that actually helps coordinate cases and litigation and assisting our chief counsel. So I, I appreciate you and uh, the additional work that you've taken on this year in 2023. Uh, your expertise is ever much appreciated, and your hard work does not go unnoticed. So thank you. Uh, Soren, you've been involved in a lot of cases and I know a lot of them dealing with uh, the vaccine and people losing their jobs. Uh, I understand that you've got some cases you filed on behalf of some nurses uh, being impacted regarding the vax mandate and their sincere religious convictions and objections to having such a vaccine. Tell me more. Uh, that's right. So we filed one just as recently as last week. Uh, <clears throat> we've been contacted by uh, three nurses who were formally employed uh, by a large hospital system here in the Chicago area, uh, Northwestern Medicine, uh, to be specific. And this hospital employs thousands of nurses, uh, but for some reason has targeted these three employees in particular for their religious beliefs. Okay, so what did the hospital do that you know, caused these employees to have to contact PJI? Well, Brad, as you know, uh, after COVID-19 emerged, uh, hospitals have had to make important decisions about how to manage their workplaces. Uh, This hospital had largely done the right thing for most of the time, even after the vaccines were made available. Uh, It did not initially require vaccines and allowed nurses to do work without vaccines for more than a year after the vaccines were made available. Uh, But all of that changed at the beginning Uh, But last year, when the hospital did a complete reversal and all of a sudden required vaccination for all employees. So uh, the employees began requesting religious exemptions and accommodations. And then uh, something interesting happened. The hospital, uh, to its credit, granted religious exemptions to many nurses, but denied exemptions to the three nurses we represent. Uh, in fact, we, we were shocked to hear that nurses who worked directly with these three individuals were given exemptions, but, but not our clients. <laughs> okay, so why were these employees treated differently? This sounds outrageous. It, it does, and 
the hospital denied their religious exemptions uh, because, uh, you know, according to the hospital, they did not demonstrate sincerely held religious beliefs. So we initially suspected that these three individual um, exemptions were denied because of the way they answered some of the questions uh, on the forms. Um, some of the questions, by the way, and I've seen many, many different types of forms uh, that employers have. Some of them can be tricky to answer. Uh, and I do believe employers do try to trip up employees. But then we obtained the religious exemption applications from some of the nurses whose applications were granted, and they were virtually the same as our clients. So we, we can't see any reason why they would grant religious exemptions to many nurses, including those working on the same floor as our clients, but deny them to the three individuals we represent. So you're telling me that employees who had their exemptions denied and those who had their exemptions granted pretty much had this very similar answers. There wasn't a major distinction, right? One didn't say, I, I believe that Martians are going to come and uh, whatever. I mean, something strange. I mean, it's pretty much the same basic beliefs con conveyed. Uh, you know, that I just have a hard time seeing how this could have happened. It, so it doesn't make sense there either. So I, I, I know this has been very frustrating for so many people at this stage where we no longer have uh, disputed issues of fact. It's this very pretty clear cut that the vaccine is not preventing transmission, is not more effective than people who already have a natural immunity. And they're not making any exemption for people with natural immunity, are they? They're, they're saying if you're not vaxxed, we don't care if you have a stronger natural immunity, you still have to take the jab. Uh, or you lose your job, even, even though you may have religious objections. Am I oversimplifying this, or is that effectively the messaging? No, that, that's right. And uh, to add to what you said, even the CDC has come out and, and changed its guidelines. And it's you know it's saying there, we no longer differentiate between the vaxxed and unvaxxed. And what I've seen is that even though the CDC has changed the guidelines, there's a number of rogue states out there that have refused to do the same. And so in states like Illinois, for example, uh, I, I've written letters to on, on behalf of potential clients saying, hey, you know, why, why are we still doing this? The CDC has said this now. And the response we get is, well, the Illinois Department of Health says this. And so what I've seen is that it's it's these rogue departments of health and states that are continuing to push this um, tyrannical um, you know, assault on people's livelihoods, uh, more so than the CDC now. Right. So it's, uh, it's once again, I, I call this a cult. Uh, they don't look at the law. They don't look at what's reasonable. They don't look at the science. They don't look at the studies. It's this obsessive, cultic-like attitude that has taken over so many HRs in companies across this country um, and agencies that is, is causing a lot of problems. At the end of the day, uh, they're going to pay a price for this. And the reason they're going to pay a price is because we have attorneys out there like you all across the country making sure these people are getting the defense that they, they need. I don't think there's an organization, in fact, I know there's not, an organization in the United States handling more cases dealing with people being discriminated against and fired 
because of their faith in the workplace. Um, I don't think there's anyone out there can compare with what we're doing. And that's because our goal, as you know well, well, Soren, is to make sure that everyone gets help, that no one's left on the side of the road. And we're working very tiresomely across the country to make sure that that is accomplished. And, and you're one of those attorneys doing that work, so I really appreciate that. Uh, these are, are real people, real jobs, and a very dire situation that they shouldn't have to be in if people simply respected the law and you know didn't choose the... The, the, the cult of the vax uh, vaccine instead of uh, religious tolerance and acceptance and accommodation. Uh, I'm really glad I'm on the side of religious tolerance, acceptance, accommodation for individuals uh, of faith and uh, not on the, the, the cultic vax uh, intolerance side. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're going to look back on this, Soren, and America's going to look back on this. It's a very dark time in our history when we engage in such uh, disrespectful treatment of individuals on such a wide scale because of their faith. Thank you again and keep up the great work, Soren. Thank you. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at PJI.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember... It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.